Welcome to Real Clear Politics' latest podcast, The First 100 Days. I'm David Byler, and I'll be your host as we examine President Trump's first 100 days in office. In our 12th episode, Real Clear Education editor Christopher Beach travels to Kansas City, Missouri to talk with Awas Sufi, president and CEO of School Smart KC, about the launch of his new education nonprofit dedicated to closing the achievement gap in Kansas City public schools. He also speaks with Aaron North, Vice President of Education at the Kauffman Foundation, which was instrumental in the inception and launch of School Smart KC. Here's Chris with Awas. Welcome to the Real Clear podcast. I'm Christopher Beach, editor of Real Clear Education, and today we're coming to you live from Kansas City. Uh, at Real Clear Education, we're trying to find out some of the interesting uh, and exciting things that are going on in the states, in the cities, in the school districts. We think that's where some of the most important things in education are really happening. Today, we are delighted to be joined by Awas Sufi. He is the president and CEO of School Smart KC, and I'm going to let him tell you a little bit about School Smart KC and the exciting announcement they're going to make today, which is why he's appearing on this podcast. Welcome, Awas. Great. Thank you for having me, Chris. It's a pleasure. And so can you just tell people uh, why we're here in Kansas City, what you're announcing, and some of the initiatives that you're starting here? Sure. Well, thank you again. Um, so about you know, two to three years ago, we had three funders here in Kansas City, the Kaufman Foundation, the Hall Family Foundation, which is the family that started the Hallmark Company, uh, a large Kansas City company, uh, and the Walton Family Foundation. All three of them had been um, coordinating informally around school improvement efforts to really help um, cultivate and, and think through how our kids, our young people could be supported for their life trajectory and, and, and show, show you know, the potential that they really had. Um, as they were coordinating informally, they felt that they increasingly were seeing similar trends, that they were seeing similar um, uh, investment opportunities, uh, and really had a vision for our school system that, that, was, um, uh, that was, could have been more coordinated. So um, they came together. They said, well, how could we be more intentional about that collaboration? And how could we be more systemic in terms of that impact? And finally, how could we be more community-owned in terms of really having the community feel as if um, that agenda of improvement was something that they believed in and ultimately would sustain? Um, out of that came what we call School Smart KC. Uh, the three funders said, how do we incubate a, uh, an effort where we could really go out and engage with community and with that, um, you know, really understand what the community wanted, but then allow that effort to really live within the community as an independent 501c3 public charity. And uh, today we're really excited. We're uh, at the cusp of launching that, that new effort. Yeah, this is, I think this is a big deal, especially for this community. For those, uh, for our listeners who aren't familiar with the Kansas City area and school districts, can you just give a brief little background on how, what is the performance level of Kansas City public schools, including charters, mm -hmm. magnets, et cetera, and where does Kansas City rank on uh, a school choice spectrum, if you can kind of just give a big picture view of Kansas City education? Sure, and maybe I'll start real broad and then narrow and say, you know, Kansas City is, uh, you know, a city that uh, is split between both Missouri and Kansas. 
Uh, across the metro area, we have about 30 school districts, uh, and so very fragmented across the entire metro area. Our work, however, is in the core urban school district, the Kansas City Public School District, and the charters in its boundaries on the Missouri side. Um, there's about 26,000 kids in that system, uh, about 45% of them in charter schools, 55% in district schools. But even within that district uh, side, you've got 10 to 15% that are in what the district would call magnet or signature schools. So we are a very high-choice environment. While we're certainly not the largest district around, we are probably, I think, fifth or sixth largest in terms of percentage wow. uh, charter penetration. So a very significant number of, um, of, of choice dynamics that, that guide our families and parents in this system. The charter system has been here for about 20 years, uh, so it's quite a mature market. Um, I would say that within the charter system, we've kind of gone through three different iterations. Uh, initially, I'd call it kind of the Wild West, uh, right. open up choice um, and every direction people starting up. Um, and with not a lot of emphasis on quality, a lot of private for-profit operators that um, ultimately about, I think, six or seven years ago, uh, they stopped the ability of private operators, uh, for-profit operators in the system because of, uh, of, of, mm. of, of issues that, were, that that was causing. Um, separately then, a second version or iteration would be then in the nonprofit side, but then without, again, a whole lot of emphasis on quality, just right. the notion that choice should sort of drive the market. I'd say the most recent version uh, or most recent iteration of where we are, which I think is particularly appealing or kind of the genesis of where we've come, is that there's been a high bar that's being held up, particularly by the donors in town uh, and others as well, to say, how do we ensure that when we allow for choice that we're only in having the highest quality uh, schools that are available to families um, and holding the bar in terms of that type of support. So um, as we um, enter into that new market, that's that's the key um, the key effort that we're, we're trying to cultivate and support, both on the district and charter side, to be clear. We're not just about charters. We're about high-performing schools, irrespective of their governance model. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that because uh, with the national education debate focused around school choice and Betsy DeVos, accountability is a central component of that. So how are you, uh, or School Smart KC, how are you working to raise those accountability metrics or measures or whatever's in place in Kansas City? Right. Well, I think that's that's a critical element. And, um, you know, choice without that accountability really is, uh, is, 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 is a path to nowhere from our vantage point. Um, so we have three core strategies, all that um, help us move the needle toward our broader outcome. And just to talk about that broader outcome first, sure. we're looking that over the course of 10 years that our school system, meaning both the district and the charters within its boundaries, um, that it is performing roughly on par with the state of Missouri. Okay. Uh, and that will require us to over doubling the amount of schools that are performing at statewide average over the course of 10 years. So that's, that's a pretty hefty goal. lift, yeah. right? Particularly in an area, and I should have mentioned this from the beginning, we're at 90% free and reduced price lunch wow. families in this area. So yeah. this is it's a ripe choice environment, a lot of fragmentation, a lot of poverty, and substantially below the, the state. In fact, actually about 30% of our schools in this school system, meaning the district and the charters, are performing within the bottom 5% of the state of Missouri. So we've got a, a long way to go. Um, so when you talk about that accountability lens, as we think about this environment, we have three core strategies, and each one of them helps us move the needle toward greater accountability. The first is around what we call starting smart, how we equip families, parents, community members with the ability to understand what their choices are and to navigate based on quality. Mm -hmm. 
there's so much choice. What are the schools that are performing well? Why are they performing well? How do we build that framework whereby they can navigate the system that is so complex for them? And we feel that that will help us drive toward accountability. Separately and within that starting smart strategy, how can we help the mechanics of choice? Real challenge we have is the fragmentation is allowing multiple different enrollment systems, processes, the ability for a family to go from one uh, school to another um, is very, very difficult. Um, not that we want people going willy-nilly from school to school, but we want them to be able to execute on those choices right. easily and effectively. And how do we build those partnerships between families and schools so that they can partner toward family student achievement? All of those are ways of driving that accountability under our first strategy. The second one is around what we call investing in success, and here is, it, here is where we will invest in both district and charter schools um, that are well poised to uh, provide a real quality education for our young people. Uh, and there, whether it be charters that are considering expansion, will hold the bar very high and saying, if you're going to expand, you've got to be a good quality school and you've got to grow in a very responsible way. For a district school that is showing improvement through growth, regular day-to-day -day on you know, growth rates in their, with their students, we say, how do we help you release yourself from the gravitational pull so that you can get that proficiency right. up to where it needs to be around state average. And then separately for turnaround investments, we say, what are those key factors, particularly those that are outside of the schools that are causing in-school um, in school performance challenges. When you have 90% free and reduced price lunch, right. it means you have high mobility, it means you have high transportation challenges, healthcare issues, trauma, violence, psychosocial issues, all of those things also need to be addressed. And then finally, finally, in our third strategy, we talk about demanding quality, which is really a, a policy play, looking at accountability metrics at the state level and at the district level to ensure that, for example, authorization practices for charters are very strong. Charters can be great schools. We have some wonderful charter schools here, but they have to be sort of held accountable. Otherwise, that choice environment doesn't yield the, you know, the results that we, we hope it would. Right. And, and so those are, that's a great way to lay it out, those three things. I want to just hone in on a couple of things you sure. mentioned. Uh, you're talking about uh, community engagement, and someone told me that you had done extensive outreach to stakeholders and families and parents and teachers. Yeah. So when you were designing School Smart KC, what did you hear from parents and teachers and stakeholders, and how did that inform how you're structuring the right, program? Right, Yeah, this was perhaps the, the most wonderful part of my journey here in Kansas City. I, I arrived about 18 months ago. Um, after I grew up in Topeka, so not from far from here, but um, had been on the East Coast for many years. Having come back to this area, really wanted to engage in an authentic way with the various constituents that all have an interest and in, 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 um, you know, incentive for a wonderful school system here. And so that would be school leaders, both district and charter. It would be philanthropy, funders, community members, the faith community, um, social service organizations. And what I found through that engagement was that there was a very important common denominator, and it wasn't that low. And it was fundamentally that everyone believed that parents should be well-equipped to help navigate this incredible system that had been sort of just thrust upon them. Um, how could families in this environment best succeed? Well, they needed to have that school-smart approach. And that's where this whole notion of school-smart came up. How do we equip those families with the understanding of how to better partner with schools, how to equip them with the ability to engage in a more um, effective way with a system that had such fragmentation and a myriad of complexity? Um, and then out of that, how did we provide them with the right quality of options to move right. forward? And those were the foundational elements of our strategy. There's one thing, particularly when I was reading about the program, that jumped out to me that I want to ask you about. 
Uh, it's called the Communities in Schools program. Sure. And, and I think this is fascinating because I've been doing some research into this. In, in a lot of states and districts, schools are basically becoming second homes for a lot of these disadvantaged kids um, out of necessity, not out of you know a government takeover, but out of the fact that you know, the number of school breakfasts now is at a record high level. You talked about free and reduced lunches. And there are schools that are putting in washers, dryers, showers for their students who don't have access to homes. I mean, these are real problems. Can you talk about this Communities in Schools program and, and what that does? Sure, yeah. And, I, you know, one of the things I have learned as, as I've gone through this journey is that, you know, schools are almost, I, I kind of think of them as society's last stand against mm. all of the ills that are plaguing us, you know, whether it be poverty, homelessness, you know, uh, racial inequity, uh, uh, transportation challenges, violence, crime. You see it all manifested in that school. And we expect that these kids that are facing such challenges outside of the school environment to be able to perform um, at a level of the state, it, 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 it just boggles our minds that, it, that, that we would expect that. So you're absolutely right. The school has become that sort of conduit through which we support the families and ultimately the school, you know, the students in terms of performance. Um, what we found very early on is whether you talk about district or charters, they were all facing this similar challenge. And as we look to, um, uh, to, to address this challenge very serendipitously, a wonderful national organization called Communities in Schools, mm-hmm. uh, which serves about a million kids over the course of the entire country, um, but through their local affiliate had significant plans to expand within the Kansas City Public School District boundaries. Uh, they had some matching support to do that, and as um, a complement to that, we help them navigate toward both district and charter schools uh, and also to leverage local financing to be able to complement that work. What they do is they put a site coordinator on site at each of those schools, uh, putting that person in coordination with the principal and leadership at the school, um, and then they map out both what the students need in terms of all of those supports, poverty-related, psychosocial, all the kinds of issues you mentioned, whether it be the washer dryers, clothes, you know, uh, uh, transportation, violence, all of those issues that are happening, and then they map out the social service providers around the school and connect the dots. We're really pleased that today we'll be announcing our first investment in this system, which is for 10 schools to receive communities and schools site coordinators, six of them district, four of them charter, and with through all of that to be able to then start addressing some of those out-of-school challenges that are infecting in school performance. So it's an exciting day for us. Yeah, I think, you know, and it'll be fascinating to track, and I just want to c- close with this, and, and thank you for your time. What would be you're looking down the road, you know, you're, it's exciting the launches today. What are your metrics of success? I think a lot of people in education have a hard time pinpointing what student success looks like, whether that's high school graduation, college and career readiness, right. uh, whether that's growth versus proficiency. What are your metrics for success and what do you hope to see over the next three, five, ten years? Right. Well, that's an extraordinarily complex yeah, question. Sure. Uh, I saved it for last. Yeah, that's why. exactly. Uh, I would say, you know, if you have 20 people in the building right now, there's probably 65 opinions about what, that, <laughs> what the answer to that question is. Um, for me personally, the ultimate metric is, are we creating young people that are economically viable citizens? Right. And what are the pathway to get them there? So we do know that college career readiness is a critical pathway for economic viability. Obviously, citizenship is a core element of life skills and social um, engagement skills that we want to couple with that. But if we just talk about economic viability, and if we do believe ultimately, and you know, I think it's an imperfect um, uh, uh, science, but I think it is, it is a science that the tests and assessments that we are using ultimately are leading toward 
the uh, ability of young people to demonstrate proficiency and ultimately capability to move them toward career and college readiness, that is the pathway by which we will measure our success. So for us, when we say, are schools performing on par with the state of Missouri over the course of the next 10 years? We right now see about 30% of schools in that sort of vantage point mm -hmm. performing at that level. With respect to statewide assessment metrics, we want to see that over double to 65% over the course of 10 years. And if we can do that, we believe that we'd be putting putting those kids uh, on a path to uh, economic and social viability. Well, that's uh, significant, especially considering what you were the metrics and the and the statistics you were laying out in the beginning. So I, I'm very excited to be here. Awasufi, president and CEO of School Smart KC. Thank you for having Real Clear Education here. We're excited about this and we'll be following and keeping track. Great. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time. Welcome to Kansas City. Thank you. Now, here's Chris's interview with Aaron. Welcome back to the Real Clear Politics podcast. Another privilege of our visit to Kansas City is that we're able to sit down with Aaron North. He's the Vice President of Education at the Kauffman Foundation. Aaron, thanks for your time. Welcome to the podcast. Glad to be here. Thank you. Uh, we had this great event, this great launch of School Smart KC, and a lot of people were billing you as sort of the policy brains behind a lot of it. So I'm hoping you can just shed some light on uh, your thinking that went into developing this program and what sort of... Uh, policy dilemmas you were trying to meet through School Smart KC? Yeah, sure. I think, um, well, there are a lot of people that worked on this, um, and I know you've talked with Awas, so he's leading it. Um, really, the, the genesis of this was around how do you, um, how can you collaboratively work with other funders uh, who have been, you know, attempting to um, uh, put money into things that were helping improve, you know, education outcomes for students mm -hmm. and life outcomes for students, um, but do that in a way that maybe was different than we had done before. And so um, part of what we put together was uh, three funders who had had a deep commitment in the K-12 education space, um, the Hall Family Foundation, uh, which is local to Kansas City, the Walton Family Foundation, which funds more nationally, but uh, also here in Kansas City, and then the Hall Coffin Family Foundation, or Coffin Foundation, that's us. So, um uh, what we wanted to do was really say, if we align some of our resources at a pretty big scale, um, what could be achieved and what is the expectation for that? And the, the real fundamental goal was to close the achievement gap within 10 years. And so that group put together what I would call a skeleton of just, you know, that goal and then, you know, some expectations around, like, you know, working in Kansas City and that kind of thing. And then we brought in an uh, education entrepreneur in residence, which was a, a loss. Right. And he really put the, uh, the flesh, the muscle, and the clothes on the skeleton. Now, the objective here is to close the achievement gap for all public schools. Yes. So there's it's both district schools and charter schools. Absolutely, yes. And so there's, a, you know, an... On the national level, there's a divide, obviously, um, especially that was highlighted during Betsy DeVos's confirmation hearing over charters versus districts. And in a lot of urban areas, that's an ongoing battle. How do you look at um, that that problem, and how does School Smart Casey um, hope to solve that? Yeah, that was one of those components of the skeleton. This had to be something that we called cross-sector, which was its charter schools and its district schools, um, or at least the door needs to be open equally wide to both of those options. Um, you know, it's unfortunate that I think we get wrapped up into some of these ideological battles or, um, and we, you know, many people who have experiences working in different types of schools develop, you know, strong opinions um, about those types. I'll say this, you know, from our, from our discussions with families and with others, most parents and most students don't really care whether they're in a district or a charter school. They just right. want to be in a good school. And I think that the people who are driving a lot of this work, whether it be funders like us, uh, whether it be entities like School Smart, 
Wasp or a host of other groups that are working in this space. Let's learn a lesson from that. Um, and I don't think that's uh, something that we, we do often enough. Um, there are kids in, in all those types of schools that need help. And if you're going to look at a systemic, uh, systemic transformation right. in a place like Kansas City where you've got 45% of students in charter schools and 55% of the district, it's less of an either or and more of a both and probably in terms of um, where we ultimately end up. So if the charter schools are a means to an end, then let's find that end and let's work towards that. Now... I'm going to probably butcher this, but someone credited you with a, a slogan about Kansas City, something about um, small enough to matter, big enough to... No, big enough to matter, small enough to manage. Okay, there you go. <laughs> I knew I was going to mess it up. But but talk about that for a second, because I think Kansas City is an interesting case study. Um, Owas was also telling me about just how many kids are on free and reduced lunch programs. And I think most people will be shocked to know that number and how this is really a case study I mean, you're obviously seeking to transform Kansas City, but that I think can also be applied to other urban areas around the country. Yeah, I mean, Kansas City is, um, well, one, it's a great city because you can get people behind something and that work can actually have that big transformative effect because um, the numbers are, are reasonable. So when you talk about in the public school system, uh, right now you have, uh, again, about 45% charter, 55% district, but the total number of students is 26, 27,000. Yeah, that's a lot of students. And so it's a lot of students, but it's also, that's that, uh, but if you could say that this type of progress was made in Kansas City, there might be a more of a, 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 reson, a resonant effect that other cities could say, well, how'd you do that? Because again, I think we share a lot of the same challenges across the country, but I think a lot of the solutions that work best are very local. Um, that doesn't mean they're parochial, right. but it means they're going to be fit to the context of a local environment. They're going to take advantage of the tools you have in your local environment. Some some communities may not have the kind of philanthropy that Kansas City does, but they have other components that are going to be um, better used in that community to drive uh, change for students. And so, um, so anyways, I think that's part of that. And Kansas City is fortunate enough where if you get people behind something and everyone feels like, um, they have an authentic and meaningful role in what's happening. Um, I think you can really push the needle um, for everyone. So, and can you talk a little bit about? Uh, Awas mentioned the collaboration with uh, communities in schools, and I think this is fascinating development because you have kids coming to school who haven't eaten breakfast, who are obviously on free and reduced lunches, who don't, you know, may not have transportation. I mean. In many ways, school has become sort of a second home for a lot of these kids out of necessity because they're not available. How are you guys trying to tackle those challenges? Yeah, I think with School Smart's uh, initial investment in communities and schools, uh, you see an attempt to, to not just look at a certain type of school model or a certain type of curriculum or approach. It's also acknowledging that there are challenges. And in, in the schools where that program will operate, there are some significant challenges uh, of students even being in a good place to come in and uh, be prepared to take advantage of what the school has to offer. Uh, I also think, uh, honestly, though, it's a great starting point. Um, now, coming in and, and doing some, you know, dynamic, heavy-handed things, I think, would address the sense of urgency that we all mm -hmm. feel around this issue. But I think when you look at what's worked and hasn't worked in other places, those moves often don't work. Yeah. It's uh, And I think um, uh, Howard Fuller, who a lot of folks probably listening to this podcast uh, know who that is, yeah. um, he used a term that, that I heard him say once called patient urgency, which is like you don't lose the sense of urgency, but you also have to have the patience to do 
do things that will actually be sustainable and work over a longer period of time. Uh, and that's something that I hope the School Spart Initiative is able to bring um, to, to Kansas City into this effort. No, that's great. Let's talk uh, for a few minutes, the remaining minutes that we have, about just the larger work that the Coffin Foundation is doing in education. Uh, you had mentioned you're focused on early uh, childhood education as well as some post-secondary things. What do you think, looking at the education landscape, are your priorities in terms of moving the needle and lifting academic performance? Yeah, our priority generally, and we've talked very specifically about School Smart in the K-12 space, um, but our priority generally is to um, is to work towards fulfilling the, the the vision of our of our benefactor, Mr. Mr. Kaufman, Ewing Kaufman, and he believed that if people had access to uh, entrepreneurship and those tools and that opportunity, and had a great education, that they could be economically independent. They would either be an entrepreneur or work for somebody who started a business, um, and that that would drive not just their own personal success, but the success of an entire city or an entire nation. And so, uh, all of our work is geared towards that. One of his most enduring legacies is in providing students with opportunities to continue their education after high school. Uh, he started a program called Project Choice back in the 1980s. That program evolved into the Kaufman Scholars Program, which is currently operating. Um, the, 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 final and eight, the eighth and final class of students uh, in that program will graduate from college in 2022. Um, we're really excited because there's going to be about 700 of these students coming out of college over the next several years. So we talk about uh, a gift and an opportunity for Kansas City. These are hardworking um, first-generation college students. Um, uh, coming from often challenging circumstances where post-secondary attainment is not the norm, but for them it is. And so we think that that's a game changer. Those, uh, those programs have then evolved into Kansas City Scholars, which uh, the Coffin Foundation offered some of the lessons learned from its own internal program, but then said, what would this look like if, as a community, we did this together? And so there was a large community de uh, development process for that program, a lot of input from a lot of different folks, and it's something that the Coffin Foundation is funding out of the gate, but we hope will uh, catalyze other giving into that program. So that program just launched this year. Um, and the underlying philosophy behind that work and also the early childhood work, which is uh, around a funders collaborative, is what can we achieve together that no one of us can achieve on our own? And that's what not just as funders, but as uh, all the, the, the kind of players in that space. And then if we're going to put a big investment into something, the return ought to also be big. And so the return is not in dollars. The return is in the results for students and the, not just their academic results, but also their life results. And so um, the kind of big investments like School Smart and Kansas City Scholars and the Early Education Funders Collaborative, we, we anticipate transformative results uh, as, the, uh, as the commensurate return for those. Let me ask you one final question, and I'll save the, the, hard, the hard one for last. Right. Um, what do those success metrics look like? I think there's a, I don't think there's one right answer, but there's a vigorous debate in the country about, you know, is that proficiency? Is it growth? Is it uh, standardized testing scores? Is it high school graduation? What are the metrics that you all look at or would prioritize to indicate in 5, 10, 15 years that these programs are working and that they're paying dividends? Yeah, I think that, you know, part of the challenge is yes to all of those. I right. think those all matter because they're all indicators in some fashion. Uh, I think prioritizing one indicator does not mean that the others are less important. It just means what's the one that you can sort of use as uh, a primary driver and know that so many of those other uh, measures, whether it's about even how satisfied you are with your school or how happy you are in your school, those things actually do matter as well because they contribute to your ability to read, write, do math, um, and um, perform science at the same level as your peers. So what we look at is essentially 
Um, are there students who are, who are at a deficit relative to just their peers across the rest of the state of Missouri or the state of Kansas? Um, and what, what does that gap look like? And then how does that translate into what happens to them after high school? We focus a lot on what are we doing to prepare students for life and education after high school? And I think one of the dilemmas we get into is uh, we care a lot about students right up until the point when they cross the stage and turn their, their tassel on their, on their mortar board there. And then we're suddenly frustrated if they can't get the jobs or stay in college. And, and, and I think that we haven't done anything uh, in many cases to help them be ready for that. And then we're upset when they're not ready for that. Right. And so this is really focusing on what happens when they cross that line and what are we offering in terms of um, both preparation but then also ongoing support in that space. And so in the K-12 space, yeah, the, the state testing matters. It's, it's universal, so it's something that everyone shares. Right. And we can look at graduation rates and ACT and some of those other things. Um, but within that, we also want to find out how the students are doing. And at the post-secondary post level, it's really looking at creating college graduates, not more college students. So it's not about putting students mm -hmm. into college. It's not about access. It's about success. So we want to get as many students in, but it's right. more a matter of being accountable for how many students are finishing. That's an important distinction. Uh, we've been talking with Aaron North. He's the Vice President of Education at the Kauffman Foundation. Thank you for having us out here in Kansas City. We're excited to be watching and seeing, and we'll be tracking the progress of School Smart KC in particular and the things that you all are doing here. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Please leave any feedback and comments at realclearpolitics.com.